Uh, welcome to another edition of Torah and Tea. Um, today we're up to the portion of Shemini. Know what Shemini means? The eighth, the eighth day. Uh, we are actually talking this Parsha. They had seven days of training. Seven days of inauguration. This was taking place as they were dedicating the Mishkan. They trained for seven days. And by he, by Yom Hashemini. You want to say hello to your mother, Janice? Yes. Hello, Mom. So by he... By he, by Yom Hashemini. So it was on the eighth day. So there were seven days of preparation. And finally, we come to the eighth day. The eighth day is when they finally built the Mishkan. It is a very special day. It was the first day of Nisan, Rosh Chodesh Nisan. We're actually coming up to it uh, in just about a week. Uh, We're going to be in Rosh Chodesh Nisan, a week and a couple of days. Rosh Chodesh Nisan, it was a very significant day. A lot of great things took place on that day. Matter of fact, it says 10. That day took 10 crowns. What does it mean, a crown? A crown means something very magnificent, something which is precious. 10 crowns were taken by that day. That day wore 10 different crowns, 10 different special things took place. Enumerated in the Talmud, mentioned a little bit by the Gemara. Actually, there was also a terrible mishap that also took place on that day. Something terrible happened. That on that day, also the two sons of Aaron perished. Uh, Aaron had four sons. Uh, Nadav and Avihu and Eleazar and Isamar. And Nadav and Avihu, his uh, two uh, older sons, they died. And this is the, mentioned in the Torah a little bit later on, you know, when there is uh, the reasons for their death. But nevertheless, I just wanted to bring this out so we understand a little bit the context of the next verse that we're going to discuss you know that when a person loses a relative, now what does it mean a relative? When we talk about a relative from the Torah, a relative, somebody that is close to them, which they have to mourn. So there's basically seven relatives that one needs to mourn for them, which is basically a father, a mother, a son, a daughter, a brother, a sister, and a spouse. So that's seven. A spouse is debatable, the Rambam, but we're talking about very simply uh, whether it's one of the seven. But certainly a parent or children, then they have to mourn for them. There is a special status which is known as the status of an oinam. The day of the passing of one of these relatives, a father, mother, son, or daughter, 
they are called an oinon. Oinon is a special status. They have to, they're mourning, they're making arrangements for the burial. They're preoccupied, basically, with the uh, passing and trying to make all the arrangements. That status of oinon, again, there's a lot of details to it, but just as a general, uh, is applies to that first day, the day in which the passing took place. The next day, when you do the uh, burial, after the burial, that's when the shiva begins, that's when the mourning period begins, that takes place after. During the onon period, uh, that has special laws. One of the laws during the onon period is that you cannot eat any uh, sacrificial uh, food. That's called koidish, kochen. So a kohen who is entitled to eat kochim during the period of onon, when he is mourning a loss, uh, then he is prohibited or sh- uh, from eating uh, kachim. Now, on this very first day of Nisan, <coughs> on the eighth day of inauguration, the first day of Nisan, this tragedy happened. So that means that Aaron, who lost two of his sons, had the status of an oinam because his two children passed away. So under normal circumstances, on that day, uh, Aaron and his sons, the Kohen Gadol is a little different perhaps, but they should not be eating kochim. But during that great ceremony that were taking place, there were actually three sets of korbanot that were brought. I'll explain to you. There were three korbanot that were bringing over there, three separate items that came together together. I told you before, ten, but they don't all associate with korbanot. First of all, there was Rosh Chodesh. Now, you know Rosh Chodesh, it was the first day of Nisan. Rosh Chodesh, what is something that we do that we all know? What do we do extra on Rosh Chodesh? We, we read a fourth uh, aliyah in Excellent. the uh, good. Yeah. Torah. What else do we do uh, on Rosh Chodesh? That's good. What else do we do on Rosh Chodesh? We have Musaf. On a regular, on a regular uh, prayers, we only have Shachrit. Why do we have Musaf on Rosh Chodesh? Why do we have Musaf on Shabbat? We do Musaf. Why do we have Musaf on Yom Tif? Why do we have Musaf? Musaf is actually corresponds to the sacrifices that they would do in the temple. So when it came to Rosh Chodesh, there was an additional, there was a daily sacrifice, which is known as the Korban Tamid. That was a regular. You did one sheep in the morning and one sheep in the afternoon. That's Shacharit Mincha. We'd have the two prayers corresponding to these two sacrifices. But when it comes to Rosh Chodesh, we have an additional one. 
the word additional actually means musaf. Musaf means addition. That means one more added to the regah, added to the regular. So the shacharit is the regular, a mincha. Then you have musaf. Musaf means addition, one more, another one. So because it was Rosh Chodesh, uh, because it was Rosh Chodesh, so they brought the sacrifices that are supposed to be brought on Rosh Chodesh. As we say in the Musaf prayer, or as uh, Janice mentioned, we do an extra reading of the Torah. What is, do we read in the Torah? We read about the sacrifice that you bring, the Korban Musaf that you bring on Rosh Chodesh. That's what it discusses over there. Normally, if a Kohen say, so what happens with that Korban Musaf? A part of it is eaten by the Kohen. As you must know, the Korbanot, some of them are considered like a burnt offering, called an Ola. Ola means that you basically take the entire uh, animal, it's all burnt on top of the Mizbeach. But the others that are not an Ola, as for example, a Chatat, that's a sin offering, which we do on Rosh Chodesh, which, by the way, what's the... It atones for various different things. The Gemara actually discusses what does it atone for. Actually, in one interpretation, it actually atones for Hashem, because uh, Hashem sort of uh, is saying that I diminished the moon. Remember that story when the moon and the sun were both created equally, and then Hashem sort of told the moon to diminish itself to become the smaller one. So I guess when Rosh Chodesh comes, it's a reminder, Hashem says, I need an atonement for myself for making the small the uh, moon into the smaller luminary. But whatever the case is, there is a korban, there is a chatat, there is a sacrifice that we bring on Rosh Chodesh. So normally... When we come to Rosh Chodesh, so say that the uh, Kohen or a Kohen lost uh, a parent, uh, lost a child, and is considered to be an Onain, he would not be allowed to partake in that sacrifice, in the Chatat. Fortunately, there's hundreds of Kohanim, so if one is an Onain, then another one can eat it. So there's not a problem. But the Onain Kohen cannot eat the Korbanot, uh, the Kachim, the Korban of the Rosh Chodesh. He could not eat it because an Onain is, exa- is uh, considered a status which he doesn't eat the, the Korban. Now, in those days, there weren't that many Kohanim to go around. There was only three Kohanim at that time. Who were the three Kohanim? was Aaron and his two sons that were left over, Elazar and Isamar. All these three were Onanim, because it was their son. 
mm-hmm. it was their brothers. So it was Aaron's sons, and it was their brothers. All of them had a status from Ononim. So there was a a debate what to do with that korban. Now, at that very same time, there was also, as I mentioned, there was two other korbanot, which were also brought at that same time. Uh, one of them was, as you know, starting from Rosh Chodesh Nisan, every day they, the tribe, the leader of the tribe, when they first built the Mishkan, the leader of each of the tribes, each one of them contributed a special gifts as enumerated in the Parshat Naso over there. It goes through all the different gifts that each one of the leaders gave. So that's why for the first 12 days, and that's actually the reason we don't do the Tachanun in all of the month of Nisan, coming up to the month of Nisan. We learned yesterday in the Shulchan Aruch, that we don't say Tachanun for the entire month of Nisan. And the reason is because the first 12 days, the uh, tribes, leaders of the tribes, each one made sort of a festival for their tribe. And then on the eve of Pesach, they brought the Korban Pesach. Everybody did, and then we had Pesach. So it was sort of a, a a very festive month. So the entire month is sort of included. So... That so therefore that one korban that the leader brought that was another korban they brought, and then there was a special for the eighth day of inauguration. There was special korbanot for that day, as we had the first seven days of the inauguration. So there was a korban of there too. Now, the thing is very interesting that God specifically told Moshe. Notwithstanding, God told him to eat. They need to eat, he says in the Pasuk, that they need to eat from the Korban. Here is where the question became, which became a little bit tricky. While they were supposed to eat the Korban that came for the eighth day of inauguration, because there was a clear instruction from Hashem that they should eat it. Moshe told them to eat it. But what do we do about the Korban of Rosh Chodesh? Can they eat the Korban of Rosh Chodesh? That's, in other words, shall we say that the entire (coughs) that the entire uh, restriction of an onan was lifted because God says they should eat from the korban of the eighth day. So therefore, since they can eat, they're no longer considered under the prohibition of onan, so they can eat also the Rosh Chodesh. Or, on the other side, we can say, well, they can only eat what God has specifically told them to eat. And that would be the korban for the eighth day. But Rosh Chodesh has nothing to do. That's a, just a general, if you're not allowed to eat a nonan for Rosh Chodesh, you shouldn't eat it then too. So look, interesting what happened. So 
This was an argument between Moshe and Aaron. So they were arguing about this. And actually it says, Moshe got angry. Moshe got angry on Aaron. And he sort of, I mean, he doesn't say, but it looks like he yelled at Aaron. And he said to Aaron, how come you went and you burnt the korban of Rosh Chodesh? How come you burnt it? Didn't I tell you that you must eat it? I had clearly instructed to you that you should eat it. Why did you burn it? He got angry, the verse says. So Aaron says to him, No, my dear brother Moshe, you only heard that you should eat it was about those specific carbonate which was for the eighth day of inauguration which was unique, it was a special korban that they only brought it one time for that time when they inaugurated the the Mishkan. But you have not heard that you should eat in a case of Rosh Chodesh, the Rosh Chodesh korbanot has the same law all the time. This is what Aaron answered back to Moshe. So this verse says, what does it say in verse 20? By Yishma Moshe. And Moshe listened. And then it says, Vayitav Be'enav. It found favor in his eyes. So what does it mean? He listened. He heard. He accepted it. What does Vayishma Moshe mean? He didn't just hear. Of course he heard. Vayishma Moshe means that he accepted Aaron's argument. And Vayitav Be'enov, it found favor in his eyes. What does it mean it found favor in his eyes? He was so excited about what he just learned from his brother that Rashi says, He readily admitted and he wasn't ashamed. He was saying to the people, you know what? I actually did not hear. So when I was yelling at Aaron and his sons, and I was telling them that they should eat it, you know what? I didn't hear that. I only heard about the particular sacrifice you brought for the day, for the Shmini, for especially. I did not hear it about Rosh Chodesh. And therefore, he went around and saying, you know what, my brother, you are right. He actually admitted. Now, there's two possibilities to translate it. Rashi says he admitted to say, you know what, I haven't heard it. But guess what, you're right. Or in the Gemara it says that Moshe said differently. Moshe said, yes. I heard it. You're actually right. I forgot that I heard it. Which means Hashem actually told me you should. I made a mistake. It's either, according to Rashi, he said, I didn't hear, 
he was open about it. He's saying, I didn't hear. You know, today, when somebody makes a mistake, they don't want to admit they made a mistake. People insist that what they said in the beginning, that's the way it should be. They don't have enough uh, courage in themselves to say, I made a mistake. Here, either way, Moshe Rabbeinu, he admitted, and he said straight out, I heard, no, I didn't hear. And guess what? Moshe Rabbeinu said, I accept your reasoning. I accept your idea. I am the one that did not make this distinction. And now that you pointed it out to me, I'm readily going to say, I'm so excited about you telling me the truth that I'm going to tell everybody. Well, why is it that Moshe Rabbeinu made such a mistake? How come Moshe Rabbeinu made such a mistake? So, there is a, a very interesting... And all this is to explain this, a lot of the thing in the Rashi's over there. There's an interesting verse later on. And Rashi points out that there's three times in the Chumash which Moshe Rabbeinu makes a mistake. And guess why? You know, what's the common thread? When does Moshe make a mistake? In all those cases is when Moshe Rabbeinu gets angry, he makes a mistake. When Moshe Rabbeinu gets angry, he makes a mistake. Rashi brings an example over here. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu make a mistake? Because Moshe Rabbeinu got angry at them. If you get angry, then you make a mistake. Now we know a lot of times when you do things out of anger, you don't do the right things. Especially, you know, when you discipline, sometimes you're having a hard time with your children or teachers in school, they're having a hard time. If they get angry, then their judgment is impaired and they don't always do the right things. They don't always say the right things because they're acting out of anger, out of frustration, or maybe they get hurt, so they act, and then you are bound to make a mistake. Rashi brings down three different incidents in the Chumash. One of them was that, it says that Moshe Rabbeinu got angry after they came back from the war, and they were supposed to kill all the uh, people, the women over there, because they caused the Jewish people to sin. So again, it says that he got angry. And then later on, we find that the laws about koshering were given over by Eleazar, not by Moshe, because it says Moshe got angry, so he forgot. He didn't know how to, the law. So that one. See, another, another example, it says when Moshe Rabbeinu was beating up on the rock and mm-hmm. uh, that caused him not to be allowed into Eretz Yisrael. But it all came because also 
Uh, he got angry. He says, listen, you rebels. That was an expression of anger. He lost it. Because he lost it, they got angry. It tells us how important it is not to get angry because even Moshe Rabbeinu, in his level, getting angry caused him uh, all these issues. Now, in our case, in our story over here that we're learning today, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't necessarily make a mistake. This was a judgment call. It wasn't a mistake because uh, according to the Gemara that he forgot what he heard, that was a mistake, he forgot. But according to the way we're learning that he didn't make the distinction, he says he didn't hear. So this was just a a judgment call. It's actually a different approach between uh, Moshe and Aaron. Aaron is in a level of kindness. Kindness, you have to lower yourself down to every situation the way it is. You know, you have to give and you have to care about each individual according to their status, according to their level. So there are differences. So sometimes we say you can eat the korban, sometimes you can't eat the korban. Moshe Rabbeinu was Torah, rule, the rule of law. The rule of law doesn't bend, it just goes through. That's the law and that's the way it goes across the board. So there was actually a difference between the approach should the laws of uh, Shemini, uh, the carbon be unique, should it be different, it all had to do. But yet, we see this one important point that getting angry is never a good thing. If one gets angry, one makes a mistake. Quickly, because today also we got to finish a little bit earlier because I got to run to Mincha, so we have another 10 minutes to spend together. So I just wanted to go over also the second Sikha, which is the Parsha's Para. So as you know, that this week we're going to read an extra portion in the Torah. We take out two Torahs. Matter of fact, next week, next Shabbat, we're actually going to take out three Torahs next week. Next week on Shabbat, we take out three Torahs. What is this about the extra Torah? During these weeks, we read extra portion. You must have, before Purim, you must have heard the Parshas Zachor. That's the Parshas Zachor. Before that, we have the Parshat Shkalim. Then we have, this week, we have the Parshat Para. That's the Para Aduma. We're going to read, we're going to take out a second Sefer Torah, and we're going to read the portion of the Red Heifer. What is the parsha of this week? As we just said, is what's the parsha? Shmini. Shmini. But that will be one Torah. In the other Torah, we're going to read the portion of Parah, which is the portion of Chukat. Shmini is a portion in the book of Ayikra. Parah is in the book of Bamidbar, in the parsha that talks about 
a para. This week we read Parshat Para. What do we read next week? Parshat HaChodesh. Exactly. Next week we read Parshat HaChodesh. This Shabbat is also Shabbat Mevarchim. Okay? We're going to bless uh, the new month that is coming up. And um, you just see Rosh Chodesh is what? Rosh Chodesh is going to be just on Shabbat, on next Shabbat. No. Shabbat is going to be, uh, let's see. Um, uh, Shabbat is going to be, no, actually, I, make, I made a mistake. I take that back. Uh, so, um, Shabbat is going to be the second of Nisan. I take that back. Yeah. I said three Torahs. That's not going to happen no, this year. No, it's the first of Nisan, Rabbi. What? Rosh Kodesh Nisan is the first of Nisan on, on the second of April. Is that what you mean? Is it on this? Huh? By me, the second of Nisan here, I'm looking at the calendar, is on Shabbat. No? Well, the calendar I have says the first Denise. So, uh, so, so maybe I'm looking at it. I thought so. Hold on. Let me just add. So it is on Shabbat. Okay, I thought it was. I don't know why this is. Maybe this is the wrong year. Why is this showing me? Oh, maybe. I don't know why it's showing me. First of Nissan. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Okay, right. I'm sorry. It says second Nissan. It's second day of, of April, I guess. Yeah, okay. Yes. And it's the first day of Nisan. Okay, so I am right. No, okay. So I was correct before. I wrote, I'm just, for a second, it said there's second Nisan. It's this, it's the second day of the Goisha month, and it's the first day of Nisan. So anyways, so this week we're going to have, so Shabbat Mevarchim, we're going to bless the new month, the next Shabbat, which is going to be Rosh Chodesh Nisan, which is going to be on Shabbat. So next Shabbat, we're going to take out three Torahs. Why is three? One for Shabbat. It's going to be the portion of after Shemini comes Tazria. We're going to read one, which is going to be Parshat HaChodesh. Okay? And then we're going to read one, the portion for Rosh Chodesh. We're going to take out three Torahs, which is, doesn't happen that many times, but a few times a year. Hanukkah, when it comes out on Rosh Chodesh, and uh, of course, some Chastorah every year, we get three Torahs. So, here, in the order, why do we read Dit Parsha Para, and next one, HaChodesh? We have to read, why is this order? It would seem, chronologically, the portion of HaChodesh that we read next week, was said on the first of Nisan. The portion of Chukat, which is Paraduma, was said on the second of Nisan. So it would seem like first we should read the Hachodesh, and then we should read Para. Why do we read Para and then Hachodesh? So our sages tell us because the Para is most important because. You, if a person was touched a dead corpse 
and he needs to get ready for Pesach to be able to uh, eat the Korban Pesach, he has to be clean from his impurity of touching a mace, uh, touching a dead body. And therefore, one had to bring the ashes, the red heifer. The only way, you know, all other Tuma, you go into the mikveh and you're okay. But if you touch a corpse, then you need to sprinkle the blood, the, the ashes of the paraduma. And the Torah, therefore, wants before we do Hachodesh, we need to make sure that everybody is clean. The Rebbe goes through in this talk about exactly what does it mean, the spiritual sense, what does it mean to be dead in the spiritual sense? To be alive in the spiritual sense means to be connected to Hashem. Because when you're connected to Hashem, you're alive. If a person separates themselves from Hashem, so they're like dead. So how do you become alive again? You got to do tshuva. You repent. You become alive. You connect again to Hashem. So, basically, the para the heifer that cleans the person and makes him back clean, makes him back alive from his contact with, with death, basically means that represents the level of tshuva. So, well, we have the parsha paranachodesh, which comes first. So we do the para first, and the para represents the level of tshuva. Now, para is also called a korban chatat. It's called a, the Torah calls it a chatat, but it's unique because most of the sacrifices, all sacrifices, were done inside the temple courtyard in the Azara. The red heifer that was done on the Mount of uh, 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 Mount of Olives, uh, the Harazesim. Opposite there, it was not done. It was done outside of the wall, outside of Jerusalem. What does this represent? Most of the sins can only atone for accidents, for mistakes. Uh, the person is still on the inside. The para is tshuva, which is even on the outside. Even somebody that loses it and is totally on the outside. Yet, the para it's done on the outside, can even bring in. And here the point is, it doesn't matter, you know, sometimes we think only bad people need to do Teshuvah. We say the ashes of the Parah, Duma, this needs to be all the time with you. Uh, first of all, nobody knows, even if you think that you're upright and you're righteous and you're, everything is, uh, you're, you're good, no one can trust himself. Nobody can trust yourself until the day you die. So you never know. <laughs> you never know. We know we, we know stories about great Sadiqim, and then they went astray. And then there's another verse that said, there's no tzaddik in the world that does only right. Everybody does something. Or at least they don't do it according to the level. Basically, the point is, we should always feel that we need to do tshuva. We should always never feel complacent. 
never feel that we have it. We always have to have the ashes of the red heifer by us. And in order just to give us that extra boost to know, we have to reconnect to Hashem. And from the reconnection, we come to Chodesh, we come to the Geula, with the coming of Mashiach, Abim Heri Yemenu, especially in the month of Nisan.